This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Western North Carolina. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. It's December the 7th, 2023. It is uh, Pearl Harbor Day, not a day that a lot of people, um, you know, maybe people my age and older think about. Um, because it happened, you know, so long ago, it happened 82 years ago today, uh, that the Japanese pulled a surprise attack on Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. Uh, it killed, uh, almost 2,500 people. Uh, it, it, uh, sunk a bunch of ships and some of them are still there. The USS Arizona, uh, the battleship that was sunk there is still a memorial. There were people that were, you know, trapped inside there that they couldn't get out and, um, just horrific, and it was the uh, uh, the thing that catapulted the United States in getting into World War II officially. Uh, 16 million veterans served in World War II from the United States. There's only a hundred and about 119,000 of them still left alive. Uh, it won't be much longer. There were about 325,000 just a few years ago. Uh, so it won't be much longer that uh, people that remember that time and that fought in that war will no longer be with us. And uh, uh, it's something, you know, I'm uh, being a big history person, that it's something that I think about, uh, not just Pearl Harbor Day, but uh, just in general. So uh, uh, just to take a moment this morning and, and uh, you know, just reflect a little bit and you know as we look at what's going on around the world now i mean i guess the good news is there won't be any more surprise attacks because uh this was back before the age of satellites etc so nothing gets hidden now but uh uh the japanese uh really uh, uh laid one on the united states and uh, uh it's uh yeah I, I you know and i have never visited hawaii I, I guess you know because I'm, I'm not I'm not a beach guy I'm not an island guy uh, but I think you know maybe on my bucket list uh, I should put on there a trip there just to uh, to visit the uh, uh, the Arizona Memorial uh, at Pearl Harbor so anyway um, Dan Zampano coming up at, on that uh, that happy note Dan Zampano coming up at nine fifteen to talk NFL football with us looking forward to that um, the big news. Today in the sports world, the blockbuster trade pulled off by the New York Yankees yesterday, getting superstar Juan Soto, who is only 25 years old, from the San Diego Padres. Um, they uh, get him for five players. Uh, I guess the the big one in that would be Michael King, the 28-year-old right-hander. 
um, who can both start and relieve. I would imagine that uh, San Diego will probably want to put him in the starting rotation, but had a 2.75 ERA last year in nine starts, 40 relief appearances, struck out 127 guys in 104 innings. Uh, so he finished the season actually in the starting rotation. So, um, so the Padres, look, here's the deal. The Padres spent all that money last year. It didn't work. And they felt like, you know, with the owner uh, passing away, that they needed to make some changes. Uh, Soto is going to be a free agent at the end of this year. So the question is, is whether Juan Soto becomes a one-year $32 million or $33 million rental, which is what he is liable to get in arbitration, or whether um, whether they'll try to extend him or not. You know, here's the thing that the Yankees have a bad habit of you know, getting guys, pay, uh, extending them to these huge contracts for a lot of money, and then it flops. Uh, think John Carlos Stanton happened a lot. Think what, you know, uh, A-Rod, they got kind of saddled with uh, his big contract towards the end of his career. Um, Juan Soto is a special talent. 25 years old, no question about it. But look, you know, and everybody in Red Sox Nation is panicking. Oh, my God. You know, we traded him for Dugo, and now they've got Soto. They, you know, and you have Aaron Judge, you know, with him in the outfield. And, you know, Soto's going to hit a ton of home runs at Yankee Stadium. That short porch in right field, he is going to love that. But just because they got him doesn't mean that, you know, things are going to magically work. I mean, look, in San Diego last year, when you look at that roster that they had last year, you know, you had Juan Soto there. Manny Machado was there. Xander Bogarts is there. Uh, you know, everybody just assumed, and I was one of them, that the, A, the Padres are going to be a playoff team, but they might be a World Series team, and they didn't even make the playoffs. So we've seen that happen time and time again. Um, so there's no guarantee, but look, uh, there's no doubt that the kid is a good player. 35 homers, 109 runs batted in last year, had a 930 OPS, uh, his first full season with the Padres. Of course, he came over in August of the year before, um, from the Washington Nationals. Uh, he turned down a huge, the Nationals tried to extend him. Uh, they wanted to give him a 15 year deal. For $440 million. He turned that down. Think about that. Right? He turned down almost $30 million a year for 15 years. Betting on himself. Well, he's going to get $33 million this year in arbitration. And, uh, you know, you look at him. He's Look, he's a Scott Boros client. Uh, he might get the kind of contract that Bryce Harper got. Might be more. Probably will be more. He's younger than Bryce Harper, uh, but we'll see. And it, so now the question becomes whether the Yankees will try to extend them. And uh, but at the end of the day, look, injuries killed the Yankees last year. Uh, pitching killed the Yankees last year, and so there's no guarantees. Uh, the Yankees also get Trent Grisham um, as part of that deal. Um, Grisham is a, a great defensive outfielder. Has not been able to hit much. Uh, in ma in the major leagues, but uh, he can go get him in the outfield. Think um, Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, he's probably not quite as an elite defender as Jackie Bradley Jr., but he's still pretty good. So that gives them a nice uh, fourth outfielder guy that can be a late-inning defensive replacement um, if they want to do that. 
although, you know, with Soto and uh, Alex Verdugo, I'm not sure how often they'll need them. But, again, you know, you've got insurance um, uh, if you need it. So uh, that's uh, the big trade that pulled off. The, the Red Sox leave the winter meetings having done absolutely nothing other than the trade with Verdugo to get three minor league pitchers. Um, you know, they uh, uh, they were hoping to have a pitcher or two sewn up by now, and on that roster, they don't. Uh, Craig Breslow addressed the media yesterday and said, look, you know, obviously we, you know, we want to, uh, we were hoping that we'd be farther along the process by now, but uh, I think what he said was we have to run our own race. We can't do what everybody else is doing. So, uh, and he's right. He's right. So uh, we'll see what happens now that the winter meetings are over. Soto's off the board. I think everybody now is waiting to see what happens with Shohei Otani. And then I think all the dominoes will start to fall once everybody sees what Otani gets, kind of sets the market, and then we go from there. Um, other baseball news, Joe Castiglione, the longtime play-by-play announcer for the Boston Red Sox on the radio, uh, was – announced as the winner of the Ford C. Frick Award uh, from the Baseball Hall of Fame, so he will be inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, this coming year. He's been with the Red Sox since 1983. Great guy, by the way. Really nice guy. Uh, from Hamden, Connecticut originally, um, but uh, he uh, cut his schedule back down. He's 76 years old now. He's, got, he's only did half the season last year uh, to spend more time with his family, and he joins Kurt Gowdy and uh, John Miller, who is still active with the San Francisco Giants, um, as Red Sox broadcasters that will be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano will join us to talk NFL football. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. It is 17 minutes past the hour, and as we are every week, we're doing it on Thursday this week because I'm going to be away for a few days heading back up north. But uh, Dan Zampano joins us to talk NFL football. He sounds a little bit better than he did last week. Uh, Good morning, Dan. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Gene. I think I just got a giant injection of college and pro football, and, (laughs) and it all made everything better. That's the best medicine, of course. You know, in college football, it's the year of the quarterback, and then and in the NFL, it's the year of the backup quarterback. It's, so, it's all this goes to show you, those are the two most important positions on the field. Absolutely insane what's going on in the NFL right now. Guys dropping like flies. Um, before we talk about uh, some of last week's games, or, or, or actually we'll mention last week's game uh, briefly, <laughs> that, uh, that Patriot game may be the one of the worst games I have ever seen in my life. I mean, honest to God, that was just absolutely brutal. And now we're going to follow that up this week with Bailey Zappi <laughs> and Mitch Trubisky at quarterback on Thursday Night Football. Al Michaels has got to be ready to hang himself in the Amazon booth. <laughs> yeah, get your camcorders ready for that one. I mean, how much are tickets for these? Gene, did you see the ticket prices for Gillette Stadium? No. It was abs- It was absurd. You were able to get in the door. You could have nosebleed seats. Nosebleed seats. I kid you not. The morning of the game for $5. Come on. I have I have never seen it no. in my life. Less than $150 to get into that stadium second secondary retail price. They're talking about $5 tickets at this game. It was a third full the Patriots did not run a play inside the 30-yard line. Okay? <laughs> right. You could have – somebody said this week you could have put bleachers in the end zone and it would have been wow. fine, although nobody would have sat there anyway. Right, right. I mean, it was 
It was ridiculous what yeah. happened. And if you actually look at the stats, the Patriots outgained the Chargers in the game. Yeah. So um, I, it's another game where, you know, we keep going down the same rabbit hole where we think it can't get worse, <laughs> and it gets worse. It's just pretty, it's pretty honestly unbelievable at this point. Remember I mentioned that 1963 AFL championship game? Yeah. That was a much better game. Than this one, and that's sad. <laughs> um, well, and and you know, on the Pittsburgh side, look, you know, the thing is, is that you look at Pittsburgh; they're seven and five. They're in playoff position, and now they have to rely on Mitch Trubisky to get them over the hump. And that can't be a real comfortable feeling if you're a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. And I mean, look, we got the same thing going on, uh, you know, in Cleveland. We got the same thing going on in Indianapolis. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just one week after every week it seems like there's a different quarterback going I mean, we've got Lawrence down uh with Jacksonville now I read a thing that they're not sure he's definitely not going to play this week but I would be shocked if he plays this week right I don't I don't think he's going to play look I mean every every team feels like they deal with this at some point in the season and I think for me you know a lot of these solutions are brought up that oh we got to protect the quarterback more and this that and the other you know since the new CBA came in the players just don't practice as much at all anymore. Uh, there's way less time to actually coach the offensive line. Hmm. So you would think maybe instead of, you know, a negotiating, I get these guys, they work all year long and it's a lot of work and they put their bodies on the line, but we don't have any great offensive linemen. Hmm. Very, very few than what we used to have. I mean, we have legends from, from yesteryear. Right. And I think it is a, is a product of we really do not know how to coach offensive line in this league at all. Like, there's some bad, bad offensive linemen. Uh, and guys get hurt all the time. Yeah. So, you know, I, to me, uh, I think that's the bigger issue here than, than, you know, quarterbacks needing to get flags put on them or, you know, ch- changing all the rules or this, that, and the other. I think we just need to coach better. Yeah, well, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting spin. I had never thought of it that way, but um, is it that they can't coach offensive linemen, or is it the practice situation that they don't have enough time to coach the offensive linemen? Which is it? I think I think it's both. Yeah, I think it's both. I mean, you don't have you the the practice time now is vastly it's been basically cut in half in, right. in the summer, and, and then on top of that, like. You know, you can game plan a lot more, sure, but like if you're not out there on the field practicing technique, I mean, and look at the offenses that are being run in college. It's all kind of, you know, two, three step drop, two seconds, get the ball out. That's it. Like offensive line is kind of gone by the wayside a little bit. There's no running of the football much anymore. You know, right. you see it for some teams because they have to do it, but, you know, I think that's the bigger issue than anything. Um, well, I mean, I guess if, if, if the glass half full for Patriot fans is right now they have the number two draft pick. <laughs> right? Yeah, I guess you want to be there, right? I mean, you know, I, I mean, you think about this, Gene, though. Like, you know, we got two quarterbacks at the top of the draft, right? Right. May and Williams. I, I, I think it would be ridiculous if Williams didn't come out. I think he'll come out. Yeah, I think he will. Yeah, I think he will. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I yeah, agree. I think he will. So, so. You know, everybody's all pumped up about the number two pick and we're going to get a quarterback in this and that. Does a quarterback guarantee you anything in this league when you draft him at the top? I mean, you well, look at some of Carolina. these drafts where the top... <laughs> 
Right. Ask Carolina. But we can go back a few years. We were all pumped about that 2021 class, right? right Trevor right. Lawrence class, right. Mac Jones, Justin Fields. Zach Wilson was the number two pick overall. Uh, we could go yeah. even further back. Yeah. Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf. Ooh. One was great. One, One was absolutely not. sucked. <laughs> you know, yes. Rue Bledsoe and Rick Meyer. Yeah. One was great. One absolutely sucked. I mean, they're, you know, Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston. Yep. The list goes on and on about these top quarterbacks that are supposed to save franchises as the number one, number two spot. Usually the number one pick, or sometimes it's the number two pick, is 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 the better play. Right. And, you know, I'm not sure what guarantees what. To me, I'm still very skeptical of both of those players, and I'm – starting to look at the possibility and idea that maybe offensive line might be a better solution here Ooh. instead of quarterback where you can find somebody to maybe bridge that or, or draft somebody in the second round. I, I, I am kind of thinking that because the Patriots have a lot of issues and offensive line has been the main one this year. Right. If, yeah, but here, if they, if they draft an offensive lineman with the number two pick, there will be people at, with pitchforks <laughs> at, at Gillette Stadium oh, looking, sure. looking to do somebody in. I mean, I mean, it, it may not be the answer. And, look, the Patriots' problems this year go far deeper than Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. I mean, there's, you know. Right. Um, and, and, look, you know, not – and maybe I'm being Pollyannish here, but, look, if they don't get those injuries – um, to their defense early in the season, if if they don't lose Judon and you know, I mean, et cetera, maybe maybe things look a little bit different than they do now. I mean, maybe, but you know, I think a lot of the issues too have been the offensive coordinator was supposed to come in and make this better. Yeah, and he hasn't. No, you know, and I, I wonder whether he's either handcuffed by the head coach. Right. Or what to run. Right. I wonder if, um, you know, I wonder if he's really that great of an offensive coordinator. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. Matt, yeah. Matt Patricia did a better job as an offensive coordinator than Bill O'Brien has. Lord have mercy. That's a fact. Lord have mercy. You know, so, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, and, and we're serious. I mean, it's yeah. unbelievable. Like we, he was thought that this team would be a 10-win team, at least I did, because yep. – Hey, we got a real offensive coordinator now. Right. So, you know, to me, I, I think it's a deeper issue. But like I said, Gene, I'm starting to believe that the Patriots could trade that pick back and, and, and draft an offensive lineman. I think I think that that is definitely in the cards. Hmm. That would be, well, uh, that, that, will be, uh, that will be an interesting narrative if that indeed does happen. Before we get to last week's mm. games, I want to go, you had your uh, – uh, your power rankings uh, you put up uh, this week, yeah. and you you made the point that you felt that you have gone too much with the eye test as opposed to strictly by the numbers. So, mm-hmm. and now you now the, these new rankings you think are your best ones because it's all numbers. I'm going to say this, um, and I don't have an issue, obviously, with the number one, number two, number three picks. I have no issue with those at all. The biggest one I have sure. an issue with is your number four pick. And this is where, to mm-hmm. me, the eye test is the issue. And that is because the Dolphins haven't beaten anybody that's any good. You know, So their numbers are great because they're beating teams and they're beating the hell out of teams that stink. 
You know, I mean, I think that you know you had they're a classic situation where they're a team that uh, skews the numbers simply because of what they do against bad teams. I could see that, but I also factor in strength of schedule more than any other number. Okay, and um, to, to me, uh, I think look, this is not a rating of who's better. Okay, this is a rating is a power rating system rates teams based on how they play at the time versus the schedule. Okay. And in a, in, in a myriad of different categories. So with me, I think the Dolphins right now, because their offensive numbers had been so good from the, from the, uh, from the beginning of the season, they have kind of waned a little bit. They came back to life last week, but their defense is playing so much better uh, than it had been even against teams in the beginning of the season that weren't very good. Their defense wasn't playing well. Okay. And now they have found a kind of solution. Obviously, I think that solution is Jalen Ramsey. Right. Uh, but Jalen Ramsey coming back, they do lose Jalen Phillips, which is a huge loss for them. I think that is massive, and they're going to have to deal with getting some edge rush. But they've gotten it from some other places. So Miami, to me, I get they already lost to Kansas City, and they've lost early in the season, but you, like I said, you progress later in the season as a football team. Mm-hmm. December when you want to play your best football, right? And we're going to see, like, hey, they'll play Baltimore later, and you know, we'll see how good they really have become. But to me, I think they're starting to get up there with the Chiefs and the Ravens really? now and how they're playing with their ability to, to score quickly, with their defense playing a lot better. They could be a tough out. And, Gene, it may not matter. If they beat the Ravens, they well, might over, be the number yeah. one seed, well, they, and you're going down to right. Miami. Right. I mean, there, there's a great chance of that. Right. Well, there's, yeah, and uh, I'll be, I'll, a, I'll be really shocked if that happens. I know you're, you're real high on that Miami defense, but boy, I'll tell you, uh, their last three games are going to be fun. I think it could come. The number one seed could come down to that last game uh, against Buffalo. Um, Gene, know. I don't remember a season. I don't remember a season where we're so late into the year and things are so unsettled. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. You yeah. know? Well, I'll tell you what's not unsettled. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers are the best team in football, in my opinion. I, I agree. Mean, I mean, what they did to Philadelphia last week is absolutely unbelievable. They didn't just beat them. They beat the hell out of them. I mean, that was as dominating mm. a performance against a good football team as I've seen in a long time. And Brock Purdy, my God, I tell you what, it's like just when you, you think that the kid's story couldn't get any better, it just does. I mean, it, it, his quarterback rating was damn near perfect again last week. Yeah, and I, and I think we got to start – we got to stop thinking of Brock Purdy as a seventh-round pick, yes. right? I mean, yes. we got we to start giving him his due of, hey, this kid is really good. Um, and, and, you know, you look at him, and I know people get – kind of comparisons of like from his story to like Tom Brady, Brady but yeah, yeah. he looks, he looks, he looks the Joe Montana part. I mean, he, he really, yep. really does yep. to me. Yep. Uh, so, you know, to me, look, when this team is healthy, hundred percent, like it's hard to, to, to stop them. They have talent on the outside at receiver, like explosive talent that gets the yard after the catch. Yep. They have a great tight end. They have an unbelievable weapon at running back. And I say weapon, uh, definitely an MVP candidate. I think Brock Purdy is an MVP candidate. Um, I, they have the best left tackle in football, and they have probably the best defense. Um, so, you know, how are you going to stop them? Right. <laughs> That's a great question. 
And, 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 you know, I get Philly, like, got absolutely railroaded, but Philly was also playing a brutal schedule. They had just played an overtime game. They played 92 plays on defense the week before. I think it'll be interesting to see if Philadelphia does get the one seed and they get home field and they have to play San Francisco again, I think it's going to be a little bit of a different story. I don't, I don't think they're going to be as exhausted to play that game. They got to get healthy. There's no question about right. that. But when San Francisco has, has Debo and Trent Williams healthy, those two guys make all the difference in the world. Yeah. So I, I think San Francisco is a Super Bowl favorite. At least they should be. Well, you know, and the thing is, is, is that there is a, I think there is a better than average chance that Philly is still the one seed. I mean, they've only got the two losses mm. and they only have one game left that, they could potentially lose in my mind, and that's the, the game at Dallas this week, right? I mean, other than that, they've yeah. got they've got Seattle, the Giants, Arizona, and the Giants, right? I mean, so yep. you're not too worried about them. And if you look at San Francisco, San Francisco's got probably one loss on their schedule or one potential loss, and that's the game with the Ravens on Christmas Day. That's it. Right. I mean, again, Seattle, Arizona, Washington, and the Rams. I mean, I guess the Rams could be dangerous, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, maybe they lose that, that Baltimore game. But, you know, the good news, I guess, for San Francisco is they've got the tiebreaker. If Philly does indeed lose and they were able to run the table, they they'll have the tiebreaker now. Yeah, yeah. And Philadelphia, I think, is more vulnerable right now because we don't know the status of Jalen Hurts. Hurts. Yeah, We have no idea how hurt he is. Right. So, that could throw a wrench in this whole thing. And if they do lose to Dallas, I mean, all of a sudden we're talking about Philadelphia as a possible wild card team. Right. I mean, that yeah. that could be a crazy story yeah. for the NFL this year. Yeah, no question. Um, well, um, <laughs> let the other the other game I wanted to talk about, uh, the Denver Broncos finally got cooled off. Um, and... Uh, that was a game where it wasn't really as close as the final score in in my mind. I thought Houston really kind of controlled that game, um, but Russell Wilson uh, kind of reverted to his old form last week. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of those interceptions, if you look at them, you know, he was trying to take shots down the field, and I'll be honest, the first Stingley interception was an unbelievable. It was, uh, play, or the yep. second one, excuse second me. One, the yep. Second one was an unbelievable play, it undercutting was. that ball. Yep. So, so, I, and I think the third one really was more. It was a desperation play, you know. So, I, I mean, I get Russ had been like on fire, and he hadn't been throwing interceptions, right? But I think the Denver defense, uh, you know, at the beginning of the game, Alex Singleton had dumbest, just dumbest penalty you could possibly imagine, which gave uh, this, the Texans the ball on, uh, after a fourth down stop uh, on an unsportsmanlike unnecessary roughness penalty. And that kind of changed the momentum of the first half. And the Texans totally dominated. I agree. C.J. Stroud made some great throws, yep. especially Nico Collins had a great game. Uh, but I, I think the Broncos kind of scratched and clawed their way out of it because they just started taking deep shots. Yeah. And they got the ball to Sutton deep down the field. And all of a sudden, it kind of opened up the the passing game a little bit, and they got back in the game. But I think the reason, really, you, you look at this statistic, and, and, and this is really why they lost. Yes, they had three turnovers. They're also 0 for 11 on third down. Right. right. So, I mean, that that's you're never going to win that right. way. So, uh, yeah, I think Denver I – th- I do think Denver is still a viable team. I think Houston really needed that game, though, especially after losing to Jacksonville. Yep. That was a big win for them, and – 
and now they're going to go on the road to the Jets. So, you know, Houston's alive and well, and without and the situation in Jacksonville now, I mean, Houston now all of a sudden finds themselves back in the AFC South race. So right. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But the, both of those teams, I think, are still viable for playoff spots. Um, if uh, if you told me that uh, that we were going to be watching that uh, Monday night game, the Bengals and the Jaguars, and at the end of the game it was going to be uh, Browning and Bethard in at quarterback for the respective teams, mm. I, I would have said, I'm clicking that game off. That game was as compelling as it could possibly be. I mean, that was unbelievable. Well, I think Jake Browning, you know, saved the day when it came to the ratings on yeah. that game, right? I yep. mean, uh, he had an outstanding game. I mean, he was able to get the ball downfield to chase. Um, you know, he didn't have any fear in that one. And thank God, because that was the only pick we got right on the on the show was was uh, was the Bengals this week. So thank right. you, Jake Browning. <laughs> but uh, but but uh, but anyway, you know, I think. The problem with Jacksonville, man, I mean, are you kidding me? And this defense, and, uh, you know, it was supposed to be this great run defense, but they can't stop anybody through the air. Right. And, you know, Jacksonville at home has just not been very good. They've been yeah. much better on the road than they've been at home. So that's kind of perplexing. And Cincinnati keeps their season alive. You know, they get the Colts this week. That's a massive game. I mean, Cincinnati, you know, wouldn't it be crazy if, if Browning was able to lead them to the playoffs? That would be kind of a wild story. Yeah, there's a great game to, uh, get coming up this week. We're going to have uh, Browning against Gardner Minshew. And, you know, and, and look, what a great story. Look, give Minshew a lot of credit, right? I mean, because after, you know, Richardson got hurt, the Colts could have just folded up the tents and gone home. And, you know, Gardner Minshew has done a, did a pretty good job last week of, uh, of controlling that game and, and made a couple of big throws when he needed to. It was unbelievable. Yeah, no question. I mean, break out the, the jar of uh, moonshine for this game on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be brutal. But it's, I, I got plenty. Uh, it, uh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Up there. Um, the, uh, yeah, no, I think the Colts, man, I mean, I look at the Colts and I say, how on earth do they keep winning these games? Right. I mean, have they not been one of the more lucky teams in the league? Yep. Uh, the, the last four games have been insane the yeah. way they've won them. So, uh, yeah, especially last week against the Titans losing their punter. And, that was crazy. And, and their holder. And yep. Yep. they got two blocked punts. I mean, that was ridiculous. Yeah. So, the Colts, man, they, they got they got the horseshoe on the helmet and somewhere else. That's what I'll say. <laughs> um, and all hail Jordan Love. Uh, you said a couple of weeks ago, yes. pump the brakes. Let's not get carried away about, you know, Jordan Love's not going to get it done. Uh, he was as good as he could possibly be. you know. And look, that's a Green Bay team without Aaron Jones last week, and they're going to be without him again this week. And, uh, you know, A.J. Dillon did a nice job running the football, and Jordan Love looked like uh, Aaron Rodgers. And Patrick Mahomes did not look like Patrick Mahomes. Nope. I mean – that interception late was was pretty bad. But how many and, times? How many times have know, we? How many times have we said that this year about Patrick Mahomes? You know, I mean, he's been wildly inconsistent this year. He's been great at times as he can be, but he's been very inconsistent this year. I think. Yeah, I think I think we kind of revert to the almighty fact that oh, he's a Super Bowl champion. He's best in the league. Right. Like, they won't lose. It's like you know, the guy's human. Like. 
he, he does have his flaws, right, and the, right. the receivers have not done him any favors either. Dropping footballs. So, crazy, yeah. you know, right, dropping footballs all over the place. Now, I think the Packers benefited from a lot of bad calls or non-calls oh, in that game. No question. no question about that. that. Pat, the, 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 yeah. the pass interference call that they missed late in that game, you got to be kidding me, right? I mean, that was, yeah, that uh, was ridiculous. Merry Christmas. Yeah, that, exactly. But – I'll say this, man. Jordan Love, I mean, you look at his intangibles. He's got the arm. He's got the poise. His processing is good. I do think people are now going the complete opposite way in one week, Monday morning yeah. quarterbacking it, saying, <laughs> oh, Packers got another Hall of Famer here. Right, right. Like, can yeah. we please yeah, just, just let the kid play? He's yep. literally, what, 12 games into his career? Like, right. just let him play, right. you know, and we'll see. Okay. Yeah, you know what I, you know what I like about him, though, is that – he, you can't tell whether he threw an interception or whether he threw a touchdown. He is right. He is about as even keel, you know. And you would think, you know, a kid that's you know finally getting his opportunity would be a little hyper, and he is anti hyper. Yeah, yeah, he's very calm under pressure, and I think that's one of the great appeals about him. He's got the size and ability. Like you look at him, and it's like, yeah. He's got all the traits and intangibles. It's just a matter of him playing, and can he put them together in that moment? And I think as he's played more and more this season, he's gotten more and more comfortable. That Lions game, he came right out of the gate and was like, screw this Thanksgiving. Like, Lions aren't supposed to win on Thanksgiving. I'm going to come out here and sling it. And he absolutely did, and then he did it again right. against the Chiefs. So give him credit, man. They've got something going on there. Um, speaking of the Lions, um, I I have I have such a hard time with this team. I mean, that was a team in New Orleans that they should have blown out last week, and and somehow they mm-hmm. managed to turn that into a game. You know what I mean? I you know I so mm-hmm. you know look, Jared Goff can we we all know that he, he can be really good and he can also be you know he can also stink. But I worry about this Detroit defense a lot. Oh, I mean, no question. You look at you look at what happened to them in the second half. Uh, you know, against New Orleans, and, and, and they couldn't stop a nosebleed. I mean, that was – and, and Derek, Carr, Derek Carr wasn't even in the game. At the, right, at the I end, I mean, yeah. Yeah. you know, so, so what does that tell you? The Saints' the offense is already pretty putrid, and, you know, Olave was just coming off an injury. Like, they were out Michael Thomas. Like, the Saints are really banged up, and they went all up and down the field on this Lions defense. Right. So. I agree with you. The Lions are starting to revert back into what they were at the beginning of last year. Right. You know, like a good a good offense, but defense has, you know, just a kind of a Swiss cheese offense, a defense. And, right. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm concerned. If, if Goff turns the ball over, they're dead. I mean, because right. their defense isn't holding up. And, and you look at their defense now, they just lost Aleem McNeil on the defensive line. Right. That is a huge loss. You know, that that's... Everybody talks about Hutchinson, but McNeil was the guy, you know, in the middle that was causing interior pressure. So right. that's a big one. He's back on IR. So Alliance got a lot to work out if they want to. If they want to be a Super Bowl contender, which I don't believe they are, right. you know, uh, they're going to have to really work some things out defensively. Uh, oh, by the way, the uh, the game that maybe was as close to bad as that Patriot game last week. Uh, and I had to watch this because it was on my local channel. Was the Falcons Jets game? Oh Lord! The the Falcons somehow get a victory. They have less than two hundred yards of total offense, and they win the game. It was. I mean, if there is a 
a uh, a more unlikely division leader than the Atlanta Falcons, I don't know who it would be. Oh, I mean, <laughs> you got to talk to your cable provider or something. Like, oh. Holy cow! Well, I'm, two, I'm two hours from Atlanta, buddy. Brutal. I'm screwed. I'm screwed. I'm two hours from Atlanta. Oh uh, yeah, it so- <laughs> sounds like you got no choice. No. Uh, yeah, I had friends. I had friends go to that game, oh. and I'm like, "What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? You're gonna sit out in the rain and catch a cold for yeah. this? Uh-uh. Like, yeah. goodness gracious! I mean." You're talking about you got to watch Tim Boyle, who got cut this week. Right. Poor Tim. Yeah, and and then and then you got Trevor Simeon out there, who actually did a better job. But man, the Jets' defense has played outstanding football, and and they're like Patriots, like their defense literally just plays as hard as humanly possible. They have no reason to do it, right? But they're just going to go hard, and their offense just continually screws them. <laughs> um, you know, so. Yeah, that that's pretty much the Jets and Patriots season in a nutshell. And and the Jets once again is like what could have been. And now Zach Wilson is going to go back at the helm for them. But you're right. I mean, the Falcons, man, I I, I cannot bear the fact to think that Desmond Ritter is going to be starting a home game in the NFL playoffs. Oh. I mean, you just yeah. Do we can we do something? Can we write a petition or something <laughs> on Change dot com or whatever it is like? <laughs> To get the Falcons excommunicated from the playoffs, well, that would be amazing. Well, you know, look, here's the thing. I mean, uh, they've got to play Tampa this week, and I'm, I'm actually going to have you pick that game, so be prepared. Uh, but, look, you know, right. the, the thing with Atlanta is you look at their schedule, and as bad as they are, their schedule is kind of favorable. I mean, look, they've got Tampa this week, but then they got Carolina, right? I mean, the best team left on their schedule is Indianapolis. You know, they got to play Carolina and the Bears. You know, I mean, so there there is a better than than average chance that they may get a home game unless unless Tampa can can help us out. And please, God, I can't believe that I'm I'm asking for that, but that's really what I want because I can't I can't. Yeah, no, you're you're not. I, I can't. Yeah, watch no, that. we can't. We can't have that. No, we can't have that. No. Yeah. All right, let's get to this week's games and let's start with that one. <laughs> Tampa is at Atlanta, and Tampa is a one and a half point dog. Yeah, you, you really want to start off with a good one. Yes, don't you? I mean, absolutely. This is, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, look, the problem here with Tampa is they got everybody under the sun on defense banged up. Yep. I mean, that, that's that's a real problem. And yes, Atlanta's offense is atrocious, but their defense is really good. Like they, Their defense has played really, really good football the last couple of weeks. And, you know, to me, I, I hate saying it. They're at home. I think the value here is on the Falcons, and and I do, I do, I hate, I hate it. But if I go through my numbers and I look through them, um, I, I just think defensively, Atlanta is going to be able to bog down the Tampa passing game. But Jesse Bates has been maybe the best defensive free agent acquisition uh, of the off season. I mean, he's got five picks and three four fumbles or something like that. Like, right. He's been he's been a ball hawk. So. You know, I think Baker will probably throw him a pick, and you know, in some crazy fashion, where they'll win sixteen to eleven, <laughs> the Falcons will win this game. Uh, this next one, um, it, it's it's it means something to both teams. Indianapolis playing at Cincinnati. Indianapolis seven and five. They're just a game back at Jacksonville, and Jacksonville's got a banged up quarterback. So, if Indianapolis wins this game this week, they could find themselves in a tie for the AFC South. Indianapolis is a one and a half point favorite on the road. 
And I believe the Colts have already beaten the Texans this year. So yeah, I think um, they did. Yeah, I, I think they did. So, so this is kind of interesting. Um, I, I think of all the games with backup quarterbacks, this is the one I kind of want to watch because I want to see like, is Jake Browning going to be able to kind of ride the high of Monday night, right? Or is Gardner Minshew going to just keep getting extremely lucky? And like we've talked about the last four weeks. The, the Colts have won games where punters got knocked out of the games, where Baker Mayfield was knocked out of a game early, and, and they got a goal line stand. The Patriot game of all games, <laughs> I mean, they should not have won that game at all. And then they right. got two pick sixes they needed to beat the Panthers. Right. So, you know, I, I think that the Colts have found themselves extremely lucky. Now, they do get Grover Stewart back. That's a big big uh, get back for them on the D line. That's huge. Right. But I don't know if that matters for Cincinnati because Cincinnati has been running the ball better, but they're not a, they're not a running team. Right. So I'm going to take the Bengals here to kind of keep riding this little high because I just think the Colts have kind of ridden this for too long. And I, I think it's going to bite them finally. Um, another battle or a potential battle of backup quarterbacks uh, at Cleveland. Jacksonville is at Cleveland, and we and it may end up being Bethard because I'd be shocked if Trevor Lawrence plays this week. There's no reason for them to put him out there. Even if he says he can play, uh, you know, with a one-game lead, there's no reason. Uh, but uh, they are at Cleveland. Cleveland is a three-point favorite. I can't figure this one out. With Joe Flacco. Yeah, with Joe, Joe Flacco. How crazy is that? And you know, I know something, Dean, though. He was not the reason they lost no, no. On, on Sunday. No. Like, their defense right. really let him down. In fact, if you look at the home road splits of the Browns' defense at home, they're giving up 10 points a game right. on defense. On the road, they're giving up 30. Mm. So mm. it's pretty stark hmm. how crazy it's been. And now they're at home. Right. They're playing a backup quarterback in nasty weather, who, by the way, not only are they playing a backup, but Christian Kirk is not playing in this game. Okay. And he's he's out. So And their left tackle is out. All right. So Jacksonville's got a lot of injuries. I'm going to take the Browns' defense to win them this game. I, I am. I think, I think they're going to get it done. I just think Jacksonville's a completely different team without Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um uh, more backup quarterbacks, because why not? Uh, we're going to Vegas. Minnesota <laughs> is a three-point favorite at oh. Las Vegas. And look, uh, despite everything, uh, the Minnesota Vikings are still in the hunt. I got no idea what to do with this game. I mean, this is this is a this one is is like uh, you know I, I'm gonna I'm gonna need like an. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to need like a, a an elephant tranquilizer to wake me up for this game because <laughs> this one looks so boring. But um, you know, Dobbs back in, yep, which is good. Yep. Um, you know, you like that for the Vikings. O'Connell, man, uh, he's been a lot better against against uh, against some of the coverages that uh, uh, the man coverages that uh, that Minnesota does. So I. I, I don't know. I think he'll play good. I, I got to believe Minnesota's got to bounce back after that loss to Chicago. I think they got to be pretty motivated on this game because if they don't win this game, I they're mean, done. their season yeah. might be done. Yeah. So I, I, I think Minnesota wins this close game, but I just, this is a terrible game. I'm not going to watch that game. <laughs> 
Um, this is an interesting game. Uh, I actually think the spread's low, but that's just me. Buffalo is at Kansas City. Kansas City is only a one and a half point favorite, and and I don't know if that's because of the you know coming off the performance from Mahomes last week or what it is. Or uh, but Kansas City's only a one and a half point favorite here. Yeah, and, and Buffalo. Remember, you know, a couple of weeks ago was knifing up that Eagle defense. So. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think Buffalo's still got plenty in the tank offensively. There's no question about that. Right. But is Patrick Mahomes really going to lose two games in a row? I mean, at home, you know, I don't think so. I, I think the Chiefs defense will come alive again. I, I think they're going to get some things corrected because, frankly, I think they'll probably control the clock and run the football in this game. Really? Because Buffalo is so small up front. I, I just yeah. I do not see Buffalo being able to stop Kansas City. Can Kansas City slow down Buffalo? I think they got a better chance to do it. So uh, I'll I'll give the Chiefs the edge here, and I'll pick them to win. I mean, Pacheco had 110 yards last week, so um, I mean, they've certainly got the guy that that could do it. Boy, I tell you what, you look at this Bill schedule, and these next two weeks are going to make or break. Their, if they lose at Kansas City this week, then they have to play Dallas next week. They could be looking at six and eight. Yeah. I mean, and and they might be done. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what we're looking at. I think they got Miami. They got Miami the last week of the season. Like, like yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, I I don't see. I mean, the only win they have left on the schedule that's probably guaranteed would be that the Patriots game, right? I mean, even the Charger sure. game. Even yeah, the Charger. They said last time. <laughs> good, good, good point. Well, uh, speaking of the Chargers, how about Denver at the Chargers this week? Um, and look, the. The Chargers are just a train wreck, and I, the fact that Brandon Staley still is on the sidelines shocks me. Uh, but Denver needs to bounce back after that loss last week. They have to have this one if they really are going to uh, to have a shot at the playoffs. And once again, Denver is an underdog. Two and a half points. To the Chargers. Yep. I mean, wow. I mean, the Chargers can't run the football. Hey, you know, like, like – the Chargers get way too much credit, and I and I gotta believe that must be that has to be the Justin Herbert factor, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they have a very good quarterback. Yeah. Playing for them, and he's wasted on that team. But <sighs> outside of Keenan Allen, and Keenan Allen's banged up. Yep. I mean, they don't have a ton of a ton of ability on offense, yep. and their defense is trash. Yep. So you know. I guess I got to pick Denver here, but something is weird about the fact that the Chargers are, are favored by this much in this game. I mean, I don't get it. You wonder if so. You, is it... I reserve the I reserve the right to say that I <laughs> pick the Chargers if they win. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's you know, you wonder if if somebody knows something that that we don't because it it is right. it, it does seem odd to me. Um, and and then, it's a coaching, it's a coaching mismatch too. I mean, yeah. this makes no sense. You know, Denver. I think Denver's going to win, but if they lose, uh, the Chargers. Uh, game of the week. We're not talking about the Monday games because those games stink. The game of the week: Philly at Dallas. Dallas, a three and a half point favorite. Uh, we don't know, you know, and the biggest issue with this is we don't know uh, the condition of Jalen Hurts. Yeah, that, and that's my issue. And look, you know, you can say, oh, Philly already beat Dallas, blah, blah, blah. Well, it took a lot for them to beat Dallas. It did. I mean, yeah. guys stepping out of bounds, guys stopped at the one-yard line, you know. I mean, it took a lot for that to happen. And, um, you know, I just – I think Dallas is playing better. 
They just are, and they're, they've had a much, they've got all this time off, you know, they've got yep. 10 days rest, just like the Niners did. I mean, who scheduled this for the Eagles? I mean, they gave the Niners 10 days off for the Eagles, and then they gave the Cowboys 10 days off for the Eagles in December. Right. I mean, that is like totally brutal. So, yep. you know, I, I just think that Dak Prescott, to me, if I had an MVP vote, he'd get my vote. Really? You know, he's played he's played better than anybody. Any quarterback in this league, mm-hmm. Dak Prescott's been the best. Wow. I mean, you can look at the numbers and, and, and tell me otherwise. He's playing outstanding. I think Dallas is going to be super pumped for this game. Sunday night in Dallas, um, you know, I just think Philly needs to get healthy. They're just not healthy, and they're just still playing this gauntlet schedule. So uh, if Hurts doesn't play, then obviously it's going to be Dallas. But, you know, even so, if he does, I just don't know how – how they're going to get this done and stop stop Dallas defensively? I just think the Eagles are so vulnerable in the back end. So I, I'm going to take I'm going to take the Cowboys here to win. Uh, before I let you go, we have to talk a little college football, and we have to talk uh, the playoff committee and how they left off Florida State. To me, that is an absolute travesty. And look, if you want to leave off Florida State and tell me that Georgia should get that spot, I might be okay with it, but I am not okay with Alabama jumping up from eight to pass an undefeated Florida team, a Florida State team. I don't care who their quarterback is. Well, that's what makes no sense about this whole situation yeah. is if if Alabama is is a better team than Florida State, why is Georgia ranked behind Florida State? Right. Is <laughs> Is Georgia is Georgia a better team? How about I'll do you one better? Is Georgia a better team than Texas? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'd like. To I don't see, know. I'd, I'd like, love to that, see it. <laughs> I'd love to see it. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, why would we ever base anything? And I know, like that's supposed to have been the standard is the four best teams, right? But how do you define the four best teams, right? Like, I'm sorry, Alabama's an SEC team. That's why they're in. Yeah. Like, that's the only reason. You know, I mean, Florida State lost their quarterback, and I understand that, and maybe if they're on a neutral field, you know, uh, with Alabama or Georgia, they they probably don't win. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't know. But that's the point. We don't know. We don't have the information. So the fact that you – can sit there and say Alabama's a better team than Florida State. Well, how do you know? Right. Like, how do you know? Because guess what? In football, it's not about who's better. It's about who's better on that, that day. day. Right. Right. You know? And if we're just going to not, like, uh, like I get it. Like, Alabama might be a better team on paper. I think they probably are. But that's on paper. If we're not going to acknowledge competition should be the reason why you get into a, a playoff scenario, then this is not a playoff. Right. This is an invitational. Yep. This is an invitational. That's what this is. And at the end of the day, the three teams at the top deserve to get in 100%. Yep. No I doubt. agree with that. Yep. And the fourth, unfortunately, did not. Yep. Do not lose in the regular season, and you will get in. And that's the way it is in college football, and it's always been that way. Until this year. And <laughs> never before – Never before has the college football playoff committee 
actually adhered to the whole four best teams until the last year because it's like, well, screw it. You know, we got 12 teams next year. Nobody will complain after that. Yes, they will because, again, <laughs> you're going to have teams yep. that you're going to have to base off of ratings and rankings. Right. Like, and, and those teams are going to get screwed. It's just like the NCAA tournament, you know. Right. But because there's 68 teams, nobody cares. They know those the last couple teams aren't going to win it anyway. Right. So, you know, it's just a travesty to the sport because competition is so important. And if we're not going to base anything on competition, why do we play? Yeah, I, I agree. Now, having said that, the, the you know, the four teams that make it, the games are going to be compelling. I am go, I'm going to be fascinated. They're going to be great. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see how Michigan, that Michigan-Alabama game and that Washington-Texas game, they are going to be a lot of fun. Um, I, I'm not, you know, I think Michigan wins, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Number two, Washington's beating Texas. I just, I tell you what, I think yeah, that, that Texas I, team I, is really good. Really good. That's my first inclination too, is, is, is Michigan and Alabama is going to be an absolute war. There's yep. no question about that. But Texas, I think has the better athletes yep. than Washington does. Agreed. But I'll say this, Michael Penix is the key that opens all doors for Washington. Yep. If, he plays the game of his life. They'll win that game, and and they'll go. I told. I mean, we're counting the college football picks for my NFL picks last week, right? Because I picked them all three correct. <laughs> you did. You're right. Alabama and Washington and <laughs> Liberty. Right. So, so you know, I I reserve the right, and I, I'm going to protest that I put those in the record. So, um, well, that, the, would, uh, that would get you to five hundred. That would get you to five hundred. Yeah, that'd there you go. Yeah, so, I, I, I think I think that's fair. I think that's only fair. But I tell you, Michael. Washington, and that's going to be awesome. And I'm, I'm happy and I'm excited for those games, and I'm excited for the Fiesta Bowl oh. as well because that's going to be awesome. You know what I'm glad for? I am glad actually that Liberty got into the to the Fiesta Bowl, got on a New Year's Day game. Yeah. I think that is outstanding. I mean, I, I think that look, and I got to tell you what, you know, I hadn't. I think I, I don't think I had seen Liberty play all season, and I watched that New Mexico State game the other night. And that offense that they run, Liberty runs, is unbelievable. I mean, that is, yeah. you know, and, and look, I, I'm a big, I think Oregon's a really good team, and they're really good unless they play Washington. Um, and, right. and, but I'm going to be fascinated to see how Liberty's defense handles that Oregon offense. Because I, I think that Oregon defense is going to have a whole hell of a lot of, a lot of trouble uh, trying to figure out that, that Liberty offense. They, that is un, that's just, it's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. It really is. It really is, and I'm happy that Bo Nix is playing in the game because that's yeah. going to make it a true, agreed, a true bowl game. You know, that's that's going to be nice, and I'm pumped for all all uh, the people that I know that are going to that game. It's going to be it's going to be a great time, and I'm hoping that uh, Liberty comes out on top. That would be amazing if they won it. Fifteen and a half um, point. It's going to be tough. <laughs> Fifteen yeah, it's going to be real tough. <laughs> yeah, but um, but I'm happy that that that's where the university has gotten to. It's 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 fifty years in the making. Yeah. Uh, from when Dr. Falwell talked about all this. So that's, it's pretty unbelievable. So uh, congratulations to them. And Gene, let's have a good weekend, man. We, we need a, we need a win tonight. If we could start off with just a win tonight for new England, that would be really nice. I don't expect it, but it would be nice. <laughs> well, hey, look, miracles do happen. And it is that time of the, of the year, right? It's the Christmas season. So anything is possible. Let's, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Dan, have a great weekend. My Amen. Friend.
You too. Thanks, Gene. You're the best. All right. Dan Zapano here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. And since it is that time of the year, we're going to leave you with some Christmas music this morning. Here's Darius Rucker, What God Wants for Christmas. We'll see you on next Wednesday. I am off Friday, Monday, Tuesday. I will be up in New England, uh, but we'll be back on Wednesday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.